0: I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15 Minute Parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15 Minute Parenting podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. In a previous episode, I spoke about the importance of resisting the understandable pull to rescue our children from difficult feelings. Recently, I received a message from a parent who had listened to that episode. It was the episode entitled How to Avoid a Fix or Change Agenda that I released on January 29th earlier this year. And she said she really struggled to hold that position. She said in particular that she struggled with how upset that she would become herself when she saw her child upset, saying that as soon as her child started to cry, she would soon follow suit and end up crying as well. As a result, and of the panic she felt when her child became distressed, and she was talking about sadness as emotional distress, not frustration or anger or other emotional states, she really wanted to look at why that was so hard for her. And I thought it was really interesting, and especially that it was particular to the feeling of sadness or distress that triggered her. We had a consultation about all of this, and she agreed that this would be a very useful topic to cover here on the podcast for others to think about and reflect on. And that's key to this episode, reflection. As you listen to this episode, take a micro pause starting right now, because I'm going to ask you questions that I want you to answer. If the answers don't come to you instantly, don't worry, hit pause on the episode and give yourself time and space to find the answer. But if you can take that micro pause now, I want you to answer. When you were sad or upset as a child, how were you responded to? Okay? When you were upset or sad as a child, how were you responded to? Take your pause, answer that question for yourself, and perhaps even bring to mind a specific time it happened and allow that memory to present itself to you again now, thinking how it felt at the time, but also how it feels now to recall it. Take another pause and answer this question. How do you wish you had been responded to in that moment? How do you wish you had been responded to when you were upset or distressed as a child in general? Allow that thought to formulate Paint a picture in your mind as to what it would have looked like as you wish it. How would you have felt as a sad or upset child to be responded to in this other way, the way you wish you had been responded to? And how does it make you feel now as a parent to picture that response? Just allow all of that to come in. And this is a useful exercise to do whenever you find yourself over or perhaps underreacting to your child's emotional expressions, not just sad feelings, but all feelings. There's an excellent therapeutic parenting program that I always recommend, and it's one that I'm trained in myself. It's called Circles of Security. And while I'm not going to get into all of the details of that program here, they do have a concept of a circle that a child travels around. And I want to talk about that. On one side of the circle are two cupped open hands that represent the parent. The hand at the top of the circle represents the secure base from which your child launches forward to go and explore their world, their environment, to try new things, to have new experiences. Our role as parent here is to resist the urge to hover, crowd or intrude upon this exploration but instead to support it to encourage their exploration to praise their effort over outcome and that's the top of the circle of security usually after a while of this exploration and perhaps some less than successful efforts perhaps a stumble or a scrape or you know a fallout with a pal or sibling basically when their little love cups are running low our children will return to us typically in a less than pleasant state. You know, they're likely to be whining or whinging, crying, disgruntled, giving out about some perceived injustice their sibling has perpetrated against them, whatever it might be. This is when they return to us on the bottom of that circle seeking comfort, nurture, reassurance and emotional and behavioral that is outer and inner state organization and they need us to welcome them back to our arms welcome them in this dysregulated state and hold them until they feel grounded and regulated enough to launch themselves back out there and so while the hand on the top of the circle represents a secure base from which your child launches from to explore the hand on the bottom of the circle represents a safe haven that they can return to and they can be emotionally held and put back together and you might be thinking well how will i know when they've had enough but look you know as well as i do no better than a child to let you know when they've had enough of your hug they'll wriggle free and they'll be like Let me go, I'm going, I need to do something. Now, be aware that some of us are going to find it easier to support the exploration at the top. Off you go, away with you, you got this. And some of us will struggle with that. You know, oh, be careful, don't run, don't run, that's too high, let me hold you. And our struggle might be at that top of the circle. And those of us who struggle on the top might find it easier on the bottom to welcome our dysregulated children back in, to hold them, to cuddle them, to comfort them, while those of us who are strong on the top might show our struggle on the bottom and too quickly push them back out. What's wrong with you? Why are you crying? There's not a mark on you. You're fine. Off you go. And hoosh them back out onto the top of the circle to explore before their love cup has been fully topped up, meaning that they're only going to return to us in an even more dysregulated and distressed state even quicker the next time because we've prematurely pushed them out and the circle will get smaller they'll be coming back into us quicker the challenge is to find and hold that balance between supporting independent exploration and welcoming and organizing emotional dysregulation now Where we might struggle is part of our own story. And I've spoken about therapeutic parenting previously on here, but it was some time ago. It was back... August 21st, 2020, so you'll have to scroll back into the archived episodes to find that one. I'm not going to get too much into the specific detail of therapeutic parenting now, but suffice to hold in mind that how we experienced being parented as children is the greatest influence on how we now parent. This doesn't mean you can't change that style, but it may well mean you need some support in making sustained conscious changes to get you there. And while recalling how we experienced being parented, always ask and answer how you wish it had been. How you wish it had been for you is a great place to start from in parenting and responding to your child in those same dysregulated moments. All of this is, of course, related to the question at the start, but to focus a bit more directly on the specifics of that question now. Parenting in panic mode is problematic It is not the headspace or emotional space that we make our best parenting decisions from. However, you can change it and there are other ways to respond, but that change starts and ends with you. The way we react or respond to our child and their behavior is more to do with what gets activated in us by their words or behavior than the behavior itself. The best way to co-regulate our children when they are emotionally distressed or dysregulated is to invest in our own capacity to emotionally self-regulate and investing in our capacity to self-regulate means focusing on our own reactions to our children's behavior and emotions. It means bringing our focus to our own reactions and emotional responses to any person or situation in our lives it means reflecting and drawing on our strengths and acknowledging so that we can strengthen and enhance the areas that we struggle in so it's saying yes i know where i'm strong but also i know where i struggle and by acknowledging my struggle I can spotlight it and I can work on it. It helps us to stay grounded and it helps us to avoid being pulled into that fight, flight or freeze mode when we flip our emotional lids. And don't forget that lid I'm talking about when you flip your emotional lid is that neocortex organizing area of the brain associated with reasoning and rational thought. And when we flip our lids, that access to what's reasonable and rational goes out the window and it's all emotional surges that are calling the shots and if we can work on those emotional lids and work in a way that's going to help us keep them online i mean look at they might wobble we are human after all but they won't flip as much and then when not if when we do flip our lids because we all have a limit we all have a saturation point and once in a while we will all lose it our capacity to self-regulate will help us to return quicker to our window of tolerance that is where things feel safe and comfortable that is an optimum level of emotional arousal for us so that we avoid panic mode this is not easy and actually i don't think it's even going to sound easy as you listen to this but it is a vital and worthwhile investment in yourself and in your parenting it takes time and repetition it takes practice to create a new default emotional response. And it means that you are responding calmly rather than reacting emotionally. So try these tips that to help you stay calm and grounded in those panicky moments, those parenting panic moments. Listen. Let your child speak about what has happened without interrupting to correct or clarify and avoid making every life experience they have a teach moment. Just listen and then reflect back with empathy what you have heard them say. Because it allows them to correct you, it also buys you some time to think about how you might respond next. Name the feeling. This is true for all ages, but especially the really young children who do not yet fully understand that their overt behavior, that is what they do or say, is underpinned by a physical and emotional state. And you can do this briefly without explaining the feeling away. You might say something like, oh, I see that you're really sad and upset and that's why you were shouting or that's why you threw your toy. And I wonder, would you like to cry in my arms? Be present. Don't check your phone or think about setting the table or tidying up the floor or stacking the pile of books or blocks beside you while you're comforting them. Be with them fully in the moment. And show your child that all feelings are valid and welcomed by you. It is very difficult, very, very difficult to see and just let your child feel sad or feel upset or worried to let them cry without rushing prematurely to the shh, shh shh calm down calm down it's okay there's no problem discourse the challenge though and the crucial part of this be with approach is to become the calm in their distress rather than to try to get rid of or rescue them from that distress This way, they can take their cues from you, their behavioral and emotional cues. They can feel what they feel, when they feel it, and find their way out of that feeling with, because of, and into your calm. Repeated experience of this will help to strengthen their capacity to self-regulate in times of distress later on. And then for you, take the time to really self-care. Beyond lighting that expensive scented candle or running a hot bath or taking the dog for a walk, invest in small changes that make big differences and are easy to embed into the now moments of your day. Therapeutic self-care is about a structured regular practice. It's not about feeling good and feeling nice because sometimes it doesn't feel good or nice and it's not easy, but it is work and it is work that is worth doing try to do some of these things at least daily for example mark yourself out of 10 as to how you feel at the start in the middle and at the end of each day and track these scores over a two-week period what is the story of the changes in these scores how do you narrate and explain those is there a pattern to them My good friend, Helena Deline, who runs Giddy Studios, introduced me to the concept of a mindful cuppa, which is something that I like to do every day. And that is about the value of taking a few minutes to actually sit with your hot cup of tea or coffee and hold it in your hands. Feel the warmth. Inhale the aroma of it. Sip it and note the taste. Don't rush it. Be aware of it. And when possible, I like to take mine outdoors and increase the therapeutic benefit of the pause in the often frenetic pace of my day by changing my field of vision, changing the physical environment from indoors to outdoors. And when you're trying to be grounded and in the moment, maybe you have a busy mind. I know I do. And I find my mind wanders a lot. And so I use the bird practice to help to pull me back into the now moment and anchor me there. And what that involves is saying out loud or to yourself depending on your preference I say it out loud when you see a bird I just say I see a bird and it brings me into the now moment wherever my mind had wandered to or if I hear a bird I just say I hear a bird and again it brings me into the now moment and out of the spiraling thought process that can be very very helpful end each day with the acknowledgement Um, that things go well and things go less than ideal. And how you do this is by acknowledging the thing, pick one thing, even one thing that went really well and then pick one thing that you wish you could change about the day. Give yourself an opportunity for do-overs and embrace relational repair as a practice. And what that means is allowing yourself to acknowledge and feel that didn't go so well. But being able to come back from it and say, I know what I wish I had done. I know how I would have liked it to have gone. And if that involves another person, your partner or child, going to them and saying, I really didn't handle that well in the moment. And now that I've had time to think about it, here's what I wish I had done or said. Can I have a do-over? The people who love us, our partners, our family, our friends, our children, are really forgiving of our behavioral transgressions. And they will give us those do-overs just as we would give to them. Show yourself some kindness this week. Have a think about what's going to work for you. And I hope that some of this is helpful and at least comforting and reassuring. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15 Minute Parenting.